Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by millions, James the Exploding Unicorn Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by millions, Steve Dash Rinko Levers. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Wrong and Wronger. I don't really have an opportunity to work up an intro or an impression here because the, the Predators are playing against the Dallas Stars, and I've got my wife on the phone here. She's giving me updates on the game while we record. I can't put this on hold, Breakwell, so I, I've got I've to have this distraction in my ear. And I'm in New Jersey right now, and angry, and mostly not because of New Jersey, but because it becomes clearer and clearer to me how cantankerous and unlikable James Breakwell is every time we have an exchange. And out of that, though, out of that magma flow of vitriol came a great idea for a topic tonight. James, this is the podcast where we argue about things that everybody has an opinion about deep down inside. This one, I don't think anybody has an opinion about, but it's going to be good. <laughs> what are we going to argue about tonight? We are going to argue Dr. Seuss versus William Shakespeare. Dr. Seuss versus William Shakespeare. Now, there is a backstory to how this came to be, although it may not be fit for public consumption. <laughs> I don't know, James, with all of your verbal dexterity, if you're able to summarize how this topic came to be in a way that might be a little more family-friendly than the actual way that it came to be. Okay, so as usual, Steve and I were verbally sparring back and forth, and I was just <laughs> gouging him. He was dying from my jabs and praise and all that. It was he, he couldn't he couldn't handle himself, and he was complaining about his phone in the room because he is old and inept with technology. And he said that for this entire podcast, he was going to have to hold his uh, his room phone up to his uh, his face uh, because whatever it was is something he said. Uh, my effing thing doesn't even work. That was the final quote. And I repeated it back to him in quotes and said it was the Steve Olivas quote of 2019. His effing thing doesn't work. It just, it sums up him as a person, as a man, whatever. And then we went back and forth a few more times and I said he'd been hoisted on his own petard. And that and that set him off more because I was using, you know, big words and literary references. I, I had to send the guy a Wikipedia reference. Like, because all interactions with me on the phone are informative and educational. And that really set him off more, and he sided with Dr. Seuss. And so now we're arguing William Shakespeare versus Dr. Seuss, and for the record, Steve's effing thing doesn't work. Never forget that, folks. <laughs> Never let him forget that. He said it himself. I'll send you screenshots. Wow. I'm glad you cleaned that up because it would have really made me look bad otherwise. Yeah, so no thank kidding. Thank you for dulling the blow for me. Wow, you can take your petard and shove it up and your for, for Anyway, the, for the record, he did not... He, he spelled out the words, okay? He is a cruelly, truly vile man. <laughs> there were no punches pulled outside of this podcast. Wow. And this is why nobody likes Breakwell. That's why. <laughs> I because there could the be truth. a shred of dignity that is infused into the show, but no. Breakwell, you could hear him throwing the bus into reverse, and the, the, that beeping was going, and he had me tied to the railroad tracks, and now I'm mixing my metaphors. We need Underdog to come and save me from Dudley Do-Right's nemesis, Snidely Whiplash. Anyway... So Shakespeare versus Dr. Seuss. And uh, we always, and I don't know why this is even necessary today on this day <laughs> of extreme distaste and misfortune, but we exchange compliments. 
And James, I'm going to sit back and let you go first because you've got a little ground to make up here to get back <laughs> in my good graces. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to have to dig deep this week. What am I even going to compliment you on? I am going to compliment you for going down to the wire on this podcast. So we had to punt it twice. <laughs> Once for Game of Thrones because, you know, it's Game of Thrones. That's something I actually enjoy in my life. So we pushed the Sunday recording time back. Then we pushed it again because Monday night I was buying a minivan, which was amazing. Right. And then Tuesday night, Steve couldn't figure out technology. And here we are <laughs> Wednesday night. He still can't figure out technology, but we're recording it anyway. But are we recording? Yes, at the last possible second. Because as bad as Steve is at all of this, he still is committed enough to get it done. So congratulations for that. Wow, that was uh, that was a good typical Breakwell compliment. <laughs> was, I, I feel so. a lot worse after receiving it. It's like a fruitcake. It just uh, I'm <laughs> well. My compliment to you, <laughs> boy, and this this uh, we're treading into some minefields here. But uh, I'm going to compliment you on ultimate consistency. That uh, Breakwell cannot adapt from one situation <laughs> to the next. He is just him. He will charge through like a bull in Pamplona, no matter what the scenario is, from getting a second minivan, because that apparently is the only kind of vehicle he is going to drive, to making sure that these podcasts get posted every week, uh, to making sure that he is as snarky and as unapproachable <laughs> as ever when we text. Like, he is James Breakwell, and there he's cut from a cloth, and and there is no change in him. So, James, thank you for being absolutely predictable in a world of unpredictability. You are welcome. I, I am predictable in several things. I will always put you down. I will always win the polls. I always, I, I, always consistently across the board. Oh, wait a minute. I, I thought I heard you say a mistruth right there. No, what, no, what was I'm, about the polls? What happened? I'm pretty sure I said I, I win the polls always, every week. If not in numbers, then in hearts and minds. There's really, <laughs> polls aren't so much a matter of numbers anymore. They're a matter of quality over quantity. I mean, yes, you sometimes get more votes, like last week, for example. But for some reason, people wanted beans in their chili. But clearly, anyone who votes for beans in their chili isn't fully capable of voting. The mental faculties aren't all there. Maybe their taste buds aren't working. Maybe they're recovering from surgery. We don't know. So we have to count the votes of people who vote correctly more heavily, like two or three times the amount. So yeah, so people who voted for uh, for no bean chili, congratulations, you won on the virtue of quality over quantity. Thank you for picking the winning side. You guys rock. I see. So when you go to buy a minivan and they tell you what the price is and you say, numbers don't matter, it's all about heart and soul. That's yes. what I'm going to pay with. I'm going to give you just a little bit of my heart and, uh, and a little bit of my soul. And yeah. then we're even. Yeah, that, that, that's a great deal. I, I walked out of there, gave him a little... I, I, I sell my soul every day, Steve, okay? I am a total sellout. You are aware of this. <laughs> You're like the Grinch. Your heart is three sizes too small in the first place. Like, you can't afford to lose any of that thing. <laughs> All right, well, <clears throat> now that we have done the... Uh, exp exp the uh, what, what does it mean when you have to do it? The obligatory. <laughs> the obligatory Words are hard. <laughs> no wonder the guy doesn't like Shakespeare. Even. He barely speaks English. <laughs> I knew what a petard was. Doesn't that give me any kind of credit in the exchange we had? Zero. None. God. Why do I talk to you? It's amazing to me know. that I keep coming back. 
All right, I have the Guam Quarter of Fate. It's in New Jersey, just like the Sopranos, and we'll see. Someday I'm going to send the Italians to Breakwell's house, and we'll fix this relationship. But what do the two sides represent for you today, Mr. All right. Breakwell? Heads, I'm arguing Dr. Seuss. Tails, I'm arguing <laughs> Shakespeare. You actually went against what I thought you were going to say there. I am wildly right. unpredictable. No, 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 no. Heads is Dr. Seuss. All right, it is up, it is down, and it is heads. You have Dr. Seuss. Well, thank oh, I goodness. know how this is going to go. Yeah, I've that's... been on Twitter before. <laughs> another another James Breakwell victory, possibly on quantity and quality, but at least on quality. We always know that's going to happen. I mean, let's face facts. What do people read for pleasure today? Dr. Seuss books are flying off store shelves years after his death. People still love them. For graduation, you give you give people a copy of Oh, the Places You'll Go. You don't give them a copy of Hamlet. I mean, that's just bizarre. You read Shakespeare because you have to, not because you want to, because people have convinced themselves it's good, and this is what cultured people do. But when people actually do the defining part of their childhood, their fondest memories, the books they rush out to buy for their own kids, those are all Dr. Seuss, because they've got layers upon layers layers of meaning hidden in very few words. Many times they're silly made-up words, and they're fun. Shakespeare made up words too, and his words are garbage. They work their way into the English language, they confuse people, nobody likes them. Dr. Seuss's words, they're fun. You know, he makes up the Lorax. Everybody knows what the Lorax is. He's improved our language and our culture. He has he has lightened our literary load. And with Shakespeare, like I feel like everything <laughs> with alliteration right there too. Yes, well I feel like with Shakespeare, like everything and this is gonna get me a lot of hate from the, the two English major Shakespeare fans on Twitter. But I feel oh. like people are reading like with, with with Dr. Seuss, you're reading things in that are there. There's, It's like poetry. There are so few words there that you know there's a deeper meaning. But with Shakespeare, it's like we're just making up meaning. Like if you went and you studied the Twilight books with the intensity that people study Shakespeare, people would find meaning there too. If you broke it all up and numbered every line and said, well, in this verse, here's what she really meant. And in that verse, and if you had a whole new rendition with your top actors every few years, hashing it out and over-exaggerating every line and reading in plots and subplots, we would think it was as good as Shakespeare. We have layers upon layers of invented meaning going back to the 1600s that just aren't there. We're just we're just creating this mythos around what's really pretty boring plots that he didn't even write himself. He stole these plots from other people, slapped into diameter pentameter, threw it out in some theaters where some people speaking old English watched them, and then they should have been forgotten about. And it's just some some English professors striving for tenure who are clinging onto these books with their cold dead hands, and that's the reason they're still in our culture. So we read Dr. Seuss because we want to. We read Doc. We read Shakespeare because because the English pyramid scheme is screwing us over <laughs> and that's the difference right there i'm sorry what was your major in college again it slips my mind english creative writing there were two branches oh, to go oh, i could go oh, english sorry. literature i could go english creative writing and steve i am creative i don't need shakespeare so i make up my own stories so uh, you, you just your position is that Shakespeare is a boring mythos, and yet yes. Dr. Seuss is a scintillating mythos. Yes, I understand that if yes. I ran the circus as one of those deep philosophical <laughs> books that I read as a child, and it's shaped me into the man that I am today. Shakespeare has so much, so many quotes that have eked into popular culture. Name uh, five, for example, <laughs> "Hoist on your petard." Like, have you ever used that? <laughs> 
<laughs> like, no, that's an inside joke that no one but you and me is going to get. But it's part of the lexicon of America. A horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. Damn, or not damn the torpedoes. Let's slip the dogs of war. <laughs> Damn the torpedoes. That was from the night before Christmas, I think. But anyway, there's a lot of departing is such sweet sorrow. I could go on and on. That Shakespeare is just part because of his brilliance, his poetic brilliance, that he brought it to the stage. It wasn't just a playwright. He he had some layers of psychology that you could or could not unpack, like Dr. Freud, which is apparently the only thing that's offensive to you about Shakespeare. But the way that he penned those plays, the words that he put in the characters' mouths was... It's art. It was poetry. And that's why it survived all these years. How many of those old bards from the 1600s, how many bards can you name, by the way? You wouldn't even know the word bard if it wasn't for Shakespeare. <laughs> that you can't Dungeons name any. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only bards that matter to me. I'm not going to give you credit for any pulls anymore ever because of the War of the Worlds controversy from a few years ago. So you just sit and stew in your own brilliance, and I'm going to ignore it and deny it. But Shakespeare, everybody reads Shakespeare because it is so brilliant, and they have to, yeah, you got to kind of weed through some of the old English, and that's old with an E at the end of O-L-D, some of the old English language, and there's a translation guy. But man, Shakespeare, just learning about human nature and about putting words together in a way that no one had ever done before, but has created a whole a, a trajectory of poets and playwrights since him that try to emulate his brilliance. Dr. Seuss, yeah, he was a wordsmith. He could make up stuff by throwing a bunch of alphabet or alphabets into a blender and seeing what he comes up with. And those are some of the animals that he had in the zoo and in the circus. But Shakespeare, man, he put it together in a way that everybody loves. And you'd never know Yorick's name if it wasn't for Shakespeare. And it spun off movies. We have serious movies like Mel Gibson playing... It was either Othello or Hamlet. I get those two confused. You had Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger in 10 Things I Hate About You, which was based on The Taming of the Shrew, which I think I read in college, although I don't remember much about the Cliff Notes. But Shakespeare is just Shakespeare, man. Brilliance. It, I wish I could write half as good as him, and I'm sure you wish the same thing. Anybody can write Dr. Seuss. It's all gobbledygook. That uh, You start shouting into a fan, and whatever you hear, you write down. That's Dr. Seuss. Shakespeare, though, that is the system chapel of playwrights. I don't think you can argue anything against that that's going to convince people to vote for you. Okay, I'm going to make this real simple and you're going to you're going to put you're going to hoist you hoist yourself on your own petard here. Okay. <laughs> after college, after your last year of required school, how many Shakespeare books have you purchased? <laughs> Wait, let me even work backwards from there. How many did I purchase while I was in college? And the answer is none. How many okay. was I supposed to purchase in so, college? Keep in mind, I got kicked out of college, right? So you're talking to the wrong eventually guy. eventually went back and finished. You can't, you can't rest on that. I didn't finish college thing forever. You have a PhD. You're the worst offender of the college racket. But let me ask you this. <laughs> How many Dr. Seuss books have you owned over the years? Uh, 10-ish, maybe 12. Really? So one one guy is worth buying 10 or 12 copies of years after his death, and one guy you've never read in your entire life. Have you ever read a Shakespeare play front to back? 
<laughs> this is irrelevant extraneous information that you're pulling here. Nobody's read a Shakespeare play. I Everybody have. says they do because they want to look good when they're wearing a bow tie at a cocktail party. Exactly. When they're drinking expensive things out of flutes. You were making what? my you... point. Nobody reads it. You just said it yourself. We all just say we did to look smart, but they're garbage. <laughs> they're garbage plays written by a garbage person a bunch of years ago <laughs> for a society that does has no relevance to today at all. And every bit of meaning we read into there, every time we do a refresh, you know, Romeo must die, and we do all these reboots of it. We're just we're just <laughs> making up and throwing meaning on top of it that that wasn't there. It's stilted. Uh, you know, broken language that wasn't that, that wasn't how people talked at all at the time. It's not enjoyable to listen to now. And the only reason it was enjoyable to listen to then is because they didn't have cable. This was the height of entertainment. I mean, we'd barely gotten beyond the era when people killed each other in gladiatorial rings. Like, this was an improvement. It's like, okay, I guess I'll go listen to some smelly Englishmen speak in a stupid theater for a penny. Whatever. <laughs> That's That was entertainment in that day. And now that we're here to where we can actually choose what we want to read, that print and ink are cheap and available people go out and they buy dr seuss books by the dozens and shakespeare well that's what you have to read when your english professor has to justify the fact that he has tenure and you go and you pretend you read it, read it you grab the spark notes you, you quote like two different lines from it to insult your podcast co-host and you're done that's the end of your involvement <laughs> with william shakespeare so as steve himself said nobody reads shakespeare steve himself has never read shakespeare but we both own lots of dr seuss books Dr. Seuss wins. Close us out, Steve. I, I, <laughs> I've never purchased a Dr. Seuss book for myself, in fairness to all of this. And there was one more point that's already slipped my mind because you have to record in the middle of the night and some of us actually work for a living. Oh, now, Dr. Seuss, I, everyone reads Seuss because it's just nonsense. It's simple-minded nonsense. Shakespeare is for the illuminated. And uh, obviously you and I don't fall into that camp, but, or at least uh, one of us does. And I don't need Shakespeare to be able to insult my podcast host. I can do that on my own. Thank you very much. Okay, so what do you got for the dice? I'm gonna roll here. If you want to vote for Shakespeare, or not for if you want to vote for James <laughs> and Dr. Seuss, the only books that I can guarantee you both of us have read, vote for seventy. If you want to vote for Steve and William Shakespeare, which again he has literally no idea what's inside those books, none at all, <laughs> you can vote for twenty-five. Or if you want to throw your vote away, you can vote for forty. All right, so 70, 25, and 40. Breakwell, Olivas, and uh, vote for nobody. James keeps losing. And as you know, jealousy is the green-eyed monster. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Did I just make that up? I don't think so. Which play so is it from? 20... Uh, 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 Macbeth. No. Well, maybe. Is that <laughs> I don't even know for sure. <laughs> Jealousy. No, it's Iago. Jealousy is the green-eyed monster, Iago. Iago was in Othello. I'm sorry, that was in Othello. I do remember little bits and pieces of the cliff notes, too, by the way. There you go. But, uh, what? Just Wait, there you, you go. I was. I, I did. I did not know that one. I was uh, I was just giving you a hard time, because that's literally what I do here. It's my only purpose is to antagonize <laughs> your existence. You know what? Forget all this nonsense. Just vote for 25 and be done with it, like you do every week. Vote for Olivas. All right. So after you vote for Steve, after watching the podcast, you're going to be delighted. You're going to come back for more. And until next week, 
This is Steve Olivas, Dr. Steve, for James, the exploding unicorn break well. I keep forgetting which shoulder he's over. Saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and overall, we're sorry. Two wrongs can make a right.